Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Welcome to all you listeners out there tuning in today to another episode of the Culinary School Stories podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. If you're a first-time listener, we would love to have you subscribe to the show using your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, so you'll be alerted when new episodes come out, which is pretty much every Monday. We'd also love it if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you can see video highlights of many of our past episodes. So now let's meet today's guest. She was born and raised in Mexico City. However, she chose to go to culinary school in the United States. And with that unique perspective, she can provide advice to other international students who wish to apply to a culinary school in the United States. She also pursued a career outside of the typical norm of working in a restaurant after graduation, which she will share with all of us today. So without further delay, I would now like to introduce to you Chef Rebecca Stevenson. Rebecca, welcome to Culinary School Stories. So glad you are here. Thank you. Um, it's definitely a pleasure and, and exciting to be here. Great. So why don't we just start right out? Like, where was your love of food? Where did that come from? What drove you to culinary school? Tell us a little bit about that. For sure. Um, so like you mentioned, I, I was born and raised in, in Mexico. I really got to experience, uh, you know, visiting a family and they cook something special and then going to another town and, and visiting someone else. And they had that same dish, but it tasted completely different. So I think my experience through food um, and travel while being young and in Mexico really, uh, you know, spiked my interest in like, you know, what are all these flavors and, and, and how, does that, how does that make sense, you know, for a career in the future? <laughs> So, yes. Yeah. So then you started, uh, I guess, researching culinary schools. Did you think about going in Mexico or other places? And how did it bring you to where you ended up? For sure. Um, so uh, in high school in Mexico, you and it might be like this in other countries where your last year of high school, you basically uh decide what you want your career to be so whether it's sciences and then your last year is tailored towards sciences your last year can be tailored towards accounting towards art um and i knew my last year of high school i really wanted to uh study something related to food so culinary arts and uh so i decided to go that route um i think it was something like around accounting i was like well if i want to be a chef i have to learn how to um <laughs> manage like food and money so i went towards accounting my last year of high school um, and when you graduate off, you're given options of culinary school. So I originally was going to go to a school in Mexico, um, uh, you know, very good school. Uh, and then I, I applied, I got accepted, I got a scholarship, I was ready to start. And, um, and then I was looking through the admission paperwork and I saw that, uh, the school in Mexico has a partnership with Johnson and Wales. And, and I was like, well, I'm American. Like, why don't I just look up Johnson and Wales, like I can, you know, um, that's an option. So and, and the funny thing is, is that I went through all this admission process, let's say, like the end of the spring, um, you know, to start college in August, September. So it was a very quick process of like, okay, well, I have to go see the school and I have to apply. So next thing you know, like come August, September, I was admitted into into Johnson and Wales uh, relatively quickly <laughs> uh, to start, you know, that, um, that September or whenever the, the semester started. Um, so it ended up working out and it was great to see that, you know, uh, Johnson Wales had a partnership with an international school um, and it made the admission process relatively easy. Um, obviously, I had to get everything translated to Johnson Wales system. Um, and obviously, uh, a lot of people that are applying to culinary school as an international student might need to, you know, go through that process of translating. And then you also have to take like an English aptitude test to apply to a college, like an SAT sort of to apply to, to a university in the U.S. Um, but I am thankful that it was a relatively quick process where I could start that, that coming semester. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so you applied to Johnson and Wales because of that relationship, but also because you were an American, how did you end up being born and raised in Mexico, but as an American, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and how that worked. For sure. So, um, so my, uh, parents are Christian. They, they have that religious background and they decided to be, to become missionaries. 
so they moved to the to Mexico when they were younger and they had my brother and I. Uh, so I have dual citizenship. I am Mexican because I was born and raised there, but I'm American because of my parents. Um, and that ended up being useful, you know, wanting to study here in the U.S., um, having that possibility. Um, yeah, just to have that option to, to study in, in, in the U.S. Yeah. Great. And when you came to school here at Johnson & Wales in Miami, had you been to the United States already since then? Had you traveled back and forth quite a bit or was that like your first journey? Yes. No. So I, um, so it, that's a good question. So I originally knew I wanted to study culinary arts. Um, so I... Previous to that, in the summers, I would come to the U.S. and work like at a restaurant and work, you know, from like the beginning of June to like at a bakery or at a restaurant or at a golf course. I would try to work in, in restaurants when I would have either spring or summer break. So I would come to the to the U.S. Um, quite a bit just to try to get some experience in in the culinary industry. Um, so, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. So you can come back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what was it like when you first got to campus? This is day one. You're, you're moving in. I guess you stayed in the dorms. Maybe not. Tell us about that. What you thought, what was going through your head? For sure. Um, so uh, Johnson Wales actually has a international, uh, orient, like international student orientation, and they have a lot of tools for international students when they first get there. So they try to involve you in a club for international students. So that's what happened kind of the first week on campus was hanging out with other international students um, just because they they were also, you know, they could offer some perspective on um, being in the U.S. and studying uh, there and obviously lived on campus. Um, and later on, I became a resident assistant. Uh, but that first semester, I was uh, just living on campus with a roommate. <laughs> um, but it was definitely like a, a scary thought of, you know, I, I came with like one suitcase, didn't really have anything. Like I had to buy like obviously bed sheets and like, yeah, it was, it was a little scary, but I think there was an excitement of like the unknown, you know what I mean? I, yeah, of, of starting college in a, in a new country. It's, it's, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Great. So is there anything once you got there, you're like, oh, I should have known this. Is there any advice you could give to someone that's going to college? What they probably should know in advance before they get there and figure it out too late? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, definitely doing research on uh, where the school is located, really that looks like. Um, so for me, being in Mexico, you walk around everywhere, but the area where this university is, is not the most walkable, I guess. So for me, it was just, you know, I'm going to walk to the store. And, and that was the perception I had. So definitely do, uh, you know, make sure you, you, you do your research of where the university is located and what resources are available around the university, especially if you're living on campus. Um, you know, as a student, if you're living in the dorms, you're dependent on the cafeteria or you're dependent on maybe getting your groceries at a grocery store. So definitely it's important to do your research of, um, you know, what resources are available as a student um, on campus. If that's where someone's going to live or even like public transportation. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know if it's rural or suburban or if it's in the city. And again, you'd mentioned transportation. What's around yeah. there? So do some of that before you get there and have to go miles to get your bed sheets. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, like, I think it was helpful to, to be involved with the other international students or to right away find a club that I could, you know, uh, be involved with. And that way I felt a connection with students right away um, where they would tell me, oh, you could go here or I'll take you there. So definitely find connections and, and groups of people that you feel comfortable with. And that way you have a, a support system. Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. So now you're on campus, you have to go and take your labs. So is, that must have been exciting. Now you're going to be pursuing your degree, the career that you're signed up for. What was your first labs? And did you have any favorites or any worst ones? How was, how was the actual lab, the cooking part? So I enjoyed the labs. I mean, I think uh, I prefer doing the morning labs. Uh, I'm a morning person. I knew that I would be energized to be there at whatever it was, 7 a.m. or 6.50 or whatever the time was. Um, and I think it was like soups, stocks, and sauces. Maybe that first class is like, oh, we're going to learn how to make, you know, broth and we're going to cut stuff. And I mean, <laughs> I think I expected, you know, this like amazing thing, but um, definitely a really good class. Like that's a, a basic class to take. Um, in the beginning. So I am thankful that that was, uh, you know, one of my first classes, but it was uh, a funny, and I think it's like the, the excitement before labs, you know, you're lined up, you have like your fresh press, like, 
uniform and you're about to go in like ready for the action. So it's, it was a definitely, um, you know, a good memory of those, of those first labs. Yeah. You think you're going to be cooking these gourmet plated meals and you start off with, uh, okay, we're going to peel carrots yeah. here for <laughs> two days. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the foundation. And I know now it probably comes in handy with what you're doing because you teach some of this now. So why don't you tell the listeners what you're doing and how you teach that to your customers, clients? Right, for sure. So um, I am a registered dietitian uh, in the virtual setting and one-on-one counseling, but I also teach culinary nutrition classes. So there's definitely a big component of uh, how to add flavor to things um, that are you know, healthy. And typically we think of healthy food to be boring or tasteless. So I do think like those basics definitely influence my job now where I, I teach, you know, my clients how to add flavor to, to food that would typically be considered boring or, or not tasty. Great. So you'd probably have to teach them how to do some of those cuts, right? Some of those things that maybe you learned in that first class. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So going back to culinary school, now that you've gone through it and you've had some time to think back, reflect, what advice would you give someone that wanted to pursue a career, you know, go to culinary school, they're contemplating it, and they came to you and they asked, is it a good idea? Is it bad? What would you recommend? Tell us how you may answer them. I would um, definitely encourage them, but I would definitely ask them if they've worked in a kitchen or in any kind of uh, setting that they know they want to be in. Um, I do think a lot of, um, I, I used to teach, you know, middle and high school culinary classes as well. Um, a lot of kids have a perception of what the industry looks like, and it's not really like that. So I would first ask them, you know, have you tried to work in the industry? Uh, have you been insert yourself some way into the food service industry? And if they enjoy that, and if they're okay with that experience, then I would say, go ahead and go to culinary school. <laughs> Good. Um, but I do think that, that there has to be a realistic mindset going into culinary school and what, um, what that looks like uh, for their future, if they really want that future uh, career. So when you first went to culinary school, did you think you were going to go into the track that you've gone into now, which is registered dietitian pursuing that nutritional um, pursuit? Or did you think you were going to be a restaurateur, open your own restaurant, food truck, something along those lines? Right. So I think when I first went into culinary school, I obviously considered my Mexican background and I thought, you know, I'm going to finish culinary school and then I'm going to uh, open up a Mexican restaurant in the U.S. and bring traditional Mexican food. and then I also thought, you know, I could always go back to Mexico and open up my own restaurant. So I always had um, some kind of desire to open up my own thing with Mexican food. Um, and then I, I took uh, Professor Brian's class, which was a nutrition course at, at the North Miami campus. And that kind of planted a seed uh, where I was very interested in whether that was food science or the nutrients that were in foods and how that affected our body. So that planted a little seed of you know, what is nutrition and, and what does that look like for a career, you know, and, and what uh, avenues could I pursue after graduation? So this was probably like after my freshman year, um, where I really started digging into, you know, what would culinary nutrition look like as a career? Great. So that, so it ended up changing your yeah. trajectory, let's say. So you didn't go right into restaurants and you went and pursued more education, right? You got a second degree. Yes. So after uh, graduating from uh, Johnson & Wales, I did my culinary internship, worked in a restaurant and decided, yes, definitely, this is not what I want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that seed of nutrition was there. So I was looking at schools and I, I wanted to stay in Florida. So I, I, I went to uh, another university uh, to finish a nutrition degree. Um, and then the funny thing is, is while I was doing my finishing my nutrition uh, bachelor's, uh, I was teaching culinary nutrition classes to kids while I was going to school. So it ended up all tying together some way or another, uh, bringing in that culinary aspect to, to nutrition while I was going to school. So yes, that was my path right after uh, graduating from Johnson & Wales. So you went on to, uh, I believe it was Florida International University for your bachelor's degree in nutrition and then went on and got your master's as well? Yes. So bachelor's degree at FIU and then to become a registered dietitian, um, just to tell the listeners a little bit if this is something that they're interested in, okay. um, you, you need to uh, now complete a master's degree. You have to do a medical residency internship, which lasts around 10 to 11 months. And you also have to sit down for a board exam. Uh, so 
that's kind of the pathway for a registered dietitian. Um, so if that's something, you know, if someone's interested in after culinary school, it's definitely a another three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so based on your current career, do you think culinary school was worth it based on this nutrition path that you went on? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I do not regret starting with culinary uh, arts degree. It's, um, I see so many of my dietitian friends or peers that don't feel comfortable in the kitchen or don't necessarily know how to give their clients advice on cooking. So I definitely think my degree and my background gives me a, a huge advantage to, to my nutrition profession. Um, and also, like I mentioned, counseling. Um, you know, I can tell someone to eat broccoli, but if I don't explain to them how to make that broccoli taste good, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, so it's a component to, to my profession, uh, you know, increasing my knowledge on that, my individual counseling, and also, you know, teaching uh, the nutrition classes, having that culinary component definitely, you know, gives an advantage to not only myself, but also the people taking the class. They, they want to know that information. So definitely worth it. <laughs> Sure, I could I could see how that would be a positive in the career you're in now, being able to you know help them. I think Johnson and Wales has that you know physicians assistant program, and I know some of the culinary instructors go and help the doctors uh, learn about cooking and food as a possibility as a remedy, rather than always giving out prescriptions for medicine. Instead, try to do it through food. And just having that comfort in the kitchen uh, with the with the tools and the skills and working with the various products, I think is is a big you know benefit, big bonus. Yes, for sure. And especially you know, um, typically in culinary school, we're taught you know season with with salt, and and most people think that way. But if if you add that nutrition component, and how do you add flavor without salt? You know that that could be a conversation on itself. So definitely having that culinary background in the medical setting is helpful. So is there specific culinary schools? Do you think now, knowing as a registered dietitian, that are better than others for the route that you're on? So if if I wanted to be a registered dietitian and I'm in high school right now and I want to go to a culinary school, is there certain ones, or would any of them suffice? Right. So Johnson Wales, uh, I know has a program. If you did want to become a registered dietitian, there is a culinary arts degree, um, culinary arts based on nutrition degree that, uh, is, um, certified by the Academy of Nutrition. So to become a dietitian, the school needs to be, um, registered under the Academy of Nutrition. And Johnson Wales does have that program. I think it's only in, I think it's in Denver and Rhode Island, but don't quote me here. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you do need to find, yes, you know, you could get a culinary nutrition certificate, but if it's not um, registered under the Academy of Nutrition, it won't lead to a registered dietitian pathway. So if this is something that someone's interested in, you could get a culinary nutrition degree. Uh, Johnson & Wales offers it. I'm not sure what other university does, but it has to be registered under the Academy of Nutrition to uh, be valid towards that registered dietitian pathway. Great. And you said you had to do a internship yeah. or externship. How do you, it takes, takes 10 months. Where do you typically do that? And how do you find those properties? Oh my gosh, this was, this is a whole other like uh, crazy process. So it's, um, it's a matching system. So you apply through a uh, like program and it matches you with a program that you pick. So uh, it's a very, again, there's only, I think like a 50% match rate. So you could apply, go through the whole process, but you won't match with an internship site. So it's a very competitive program. Um, and there are different uh, concentrations. So if you wanted to focus on community, you wanted to focus on food service, uh, because there are a lot of dietitians working in the food service industry. Um, just figured I'd throw that in there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so you could, or clinical, you could pick a pathway for your internship. So you apply through the program, you get matched. And then once you enter this internship program, it could be with a university. Um, so you could get a master's degree and do the internship program at the same time, which is what I did, uh, or just do the internship. And there are different rotations. So there's six, 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 eight weeks of clinical, six to eight weeks of food service, six to eight weeks of community. And you get to pick where these uh, rotations are. So just to give quick examples, the clinical would be in like a hospital setting or outpatient setting. Um, community could be working for a nonprofit or for WIC. Um, and then food service could be, uh, I did my food service rotation at Nova um, in Philadelphia, great food service rotation. 
Um, it could also be uh, either like a cafeteria setting somewhere so or at a restaurant. So the idea is that as a registered dietitian, you get experience in all these areas um, after after you're finished with your degree and before you uh, end up with the registered dietitian title. Awesome. Yeah, it's great advice. Yeah. Now there's, I'm sure there's young females out there listening now that planning on going into this industry or this career or maybe wanting to become dietitians. Can you speak to, you know, being a female in the industry, what it was like for you in culinary school, what it was like for you when you were out there doing your, you know, working in the, in the, in the industry, working on the line as you did, or as you went on to pursue your other uh, educational pursuits? Right. So definitely um, in the kitchen there, I would start off with culinary school. Let's start with that. Okay. <laughs> um, <you can laughs> cut off that part. <laughs> so, so starting uh, with culinary school, you, you could definitely see that the ratio of male to female is higher. There's more males, obviously, in your classes than females. Um, and there's more male professors, at least at the campus that I went to. Um, so right off the start, you can see the ratio is a bit different. Um, and then also uh, through culinary school, when I would volunteer for events, most of the, the um, I would say the head chefs or the, the people that I was volunteering under were male. So from the beginning, you know, going in as a female, you, you have this perception of like, okay, there's only a few of us. Um, <laughs> uh, and then also finding, you know, uh, someone that you could, uh, relate to. So I tried to look for a Hispanic female chef and I would look them up. And that's something that, uh, from the beginning in culinary school, I tried to, to find women in the culinary industry that I could look up to. Uh, so that's definitely something that I would say to, to a female going into culinary school. Uh, don't feel intimidated if, if you feel that there's more men than women, but definitely find someone that you could look up to and that you could ask questions to. So if there's a female professor, um, I had Professor Machado um, at the North Miami campus where she was very open to answering questions and she would tell you about her experiences. So definitely from the start, try to find that, that mentor or someone that you could ask questions to that could encourage you uh, through this career. Uh, and then also after culinary school, um, going into the restaurant industry, you still see that ratio of there's obviously less women than men. <laughs> um, and, and it's, again, just trying to find if you see that other uh, woman in the kitchen, uh, asking her questions, seeing how she got to where she is now, and finding your own path. Because at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, but if, if you know that you're passionate, you know you're interested in, in a specific thing, whether it's nutrition or working in a kitchen, um, if you're passionate about what you do and um, you you really put in the effort towards that path mm -hmm. um you know it doesn't matter if you're female male like you're gonna get there so i would definitely say that to to my female peers or, or someone wanting to enter this industry so that lack of role models may be depending on which campus or which school or which university that you go to but yeah. do you see it to be the same or the or that to be true in the registered dietitian or in baking or other areas did you notice if the ratio was the same or if it was different well i honestly find then that the it's a reverse kind of situation as a registered dietitian going into um the nutrition field there's a lot more female registered dietitians and not that very many male registered dietitians <laughs> so um why do you think that is um I mean, I think uh, only the only male dietitians that I've seen, at least in school, you, they were the ones that wanted to pursue, let's say, sports nutrition okay. um, or even food service. So in, in the clinical setting, even in the food service industry, most of the managers or coordinators are male, but then all the registered dietitians under them are female. So it's an interesting setup of how uh, in positions of authority or management, you typically see men in the food service industry as dietitians or in sports nutrition, you see men. So I think maybe there's this perception of, you know, men only fit into these roles and women fit into these roles. But I think, you know, now compared to maybe when I went to culinary school, there's a, a lot more variety and like, um, uh, what's the word? Um, 
Maybe diversity of uh, different. Yeah, di- uh, yeah. There's a more diversity in the field, so you so you see more of an even playing field in in the nutrition and, and culinary uh, industries. And maybe that's true. It kind of mirrors the the medical field. You know, hundred years ago, doctors were male and nurses were female. Yeah. But now it's you know you have female doctors, you have male nurses, so it's getting kind of more mixed. And that's probably true with culinary school now as it goes. It's you know it's balancing out a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Now, you talked about events that you did at school. You just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about extracurricular activities when you're in school and, and how important or valuable they were to you? Yes, for sure. So if you're someone you know, in culinary school or you're thinking of going, I would encourage anyone to search for uh, either its volunteer opportunities through an organization. So I was part of um, I think what was called like the special functions team where it, they would open up volunteer opportunities through the university for events. And then I was part of the ACF uh, student chapter. So through these, vo- through these two organizations, I was able to volunteer and meet other people in the industry. And I think that was valuable for my learning experience, but also for my networking. So now, you know, that I graduated and I'm, I kind of have my own business, like definitely going back to those resources or you see these people again in your career where you're just like, Oh, I met you five years ago. And, and we did this event together. So definitely putting yourself out there as a volunteer and uh, through the community, through an organization will definitely open the doors to new experiences, meeting people and networking um, for your future career. So I definitely encourage that to anyone because it was, it was a valuable experience for me during my, my culinary arts degree. And you mentioned ACF, which is, of course, stands for the American Culinary Federation. Yes. You were a, a, mem- a student member of that. Did you end up uh, doing any events with them or getting certified through them? Yes. So um, they would have events as a student. I participated in events, uh, whether that they would organize, you know, a, a monthly competition and then other students would join. So those kind of small in-house competitions. But I also attended the Knowledge Bowl, uh, which is a student-based uh, competition, and they hold it in different uh, parts of the country. I'm not sure with COVID if they're going to be doing that, but um, it's basically almost like a Jeopardy, but uh, culinary questions, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and it was very fun. Uh, so that was a big event that uh, I was able to participate in through the ACS. And, and, and a great thing about this event is that you're basically flying, we flew to like North Carolina or South Carolina, I don't remember, one of the Carolinas. And um, all of this is through the university. So you go out there and you get to meet all these different chefs from um, that, from ACF, that organization, um, and seeing what they're doing. So there's like, a, a, you know, a meat cutting workshop. And then next thing you know, there's like a wine tasting. And that was just an amazing event to be part of. And you as a student, you get to be exposed to all these different careers and, and pathways and what people are doing and trends in the industry. So definitely joining ACF was was a great, uh, yeah, extracurricular activity to do. And then I did become certified um, through them as a uh, the their most basic certification um, you can achieve when you go to culinary school. So if you know if that's some you know it's an easy, relatively easy thing for certification to get if that's something someone wants to do um, as a student or or graduating from, from culinary school. And that's the CC, Certified Culinarian? Yes, obviously there's, I mean, I'm not that familiar with it now, but there are obviously more um, certifications that require more intense uh, preparation. And actually, now that I remember, as part of the ACS student chapter, we would host these uh, exams for the people that wanted to um, get those certifications. So it was like a- Practical exams for the certification. Yeah, practical exam. Yeah, they would host those at the Johnson & Wales North Miami campus. And we were the students that would help either set up um, the kitchen for them. So that was also a great uh, thing to to volunteer and be a part of. So these uh, volunteer events and these certifications, these professional organizations, not only help you professionally, but I'm assuming they would help personally too. It's a great way to meet people. Like you mentioned that you were um, belong to the French club too. Maybe you could tell us about those that aren't professional, but maybe something right there on campus that someone could get involved in just to you know break out of the shell, break the ice and get to meet people. Yes. Uh, that was definitely a very fun club. Uh, the professor started it Perdue, uh, he was a professor at the time at the North Carolina campus. He was French himself. 
and very passionate about his culture and uh, all the products that came from um, France. So we would have a, I think it was like bi-weekly uh, meeting where we would go over like French terminology in the culinary industry, uh, differences in French wines, French cheese. It was a very good club to be part of because they, it's very different than maybe my own interest of, you know, Hispanic heritage and like uh, other technical things that you wouldn't learn in class being part of a club introduces you to a, a different topic and you also get to meet other people. So we, they would have maybe like speakers um, or the professor himself will share his, his experiences. So it's, it's experiences and meeting people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. Like if you just go to, to your lab and you go to your classes, yes, that's great. But you, you, there has to be an effort of knowing more about the industry and more and more about, you know, a culinary aspect that you wouldn't have thought of. And that's what I think the French club, um, did for me and maybe other people that that were part of the club as well is just exposing us to to more information and, and different food that you you know you wouldn't have otherwise tasted or tried. That's wonderful. I mean, it's not just theoretical. You got to taste wines and taste cheeses, and wow, that sounds great. <laughs> Who's going to complain about that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and and even I would encourage anyone like this group, this club, the French club, started from students saying that they wanted to learn more. So if even you're in culinary school now and you want to learn more of a topic, like a lot of professors are open to, you know, starting something if the interest is there. Uh, so I would encourage you, you know, if you have an interest in a specific topic or, or culture, you know, speak to your professors. Like there's always uh, a pathway or a way to, to learn more about something that you're interested in. Yeah, that's a great point because as a professor myself, you know, we can start clubs and, and some, you know, the interest is there and then they kind of fall off and that's fine too. But yeah. if you are a culinary student it's, or any student in a, in a college or university, you want to start a club, there's usually, you know, financial resources and monies and things available to do that. And if you have an interest, start it. There's probably others out there that have the same interest and, you know, what a way to learn outside of the classroom. Yes, for sure. And even, you know, there could be clubs for certain like skill sets. Like I remember, you know, if we wanted to learn a specific skill set for meat cutting that we didn't get enough time to do in class, uh, the professor would be happen happy to hold a workshop for it. So I think as a student, you know, you have to be almost in charge of your own education. Like you have to be assertive and say, oh, I want to learn this. Can can you help me, professor? Can we start something? Um, and, and like you mentioned, the school will always offer resources, but there has to be an interest and an initiative from the student standpoint. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. They have to be in charge of their own education and, you know, yeah. ask for those things. Mm -hmm. I know years ago I did a food media club because people know that I have a YouTube channel and I have multiple podcasts, this one included, and I do a lot with media. So some students were interested in maybe starting their own show. So we did that for a few years, but then, you know, a new wave of students come in and they may be interested in something else and it kind of fell off. But, you know, if you're interested and while you're going through those two years or four years, you know, speak up and definitely get those started and, and take the initiative. Yes, for sure. Okay, so now you transition to what you're doing now out there in the industry. One sure. of the things you do is you teach, you know, nutrition classes and because of the pandemic and COVID, you're doing it virtually. Kind of tell us about that or take us through it because it's hard to imagine so we can wrap our minds around. How do you teach a culinary class, nutrition culinary class virtually? Yes. Uh, so I'll start off, you know, in, in definitely in person, there's a lot, uh, uh, more that goes into the class, right? So you have an audience, they're actually looking at you, you can interact, uh, you can answer questions a lot easier, um, or, you know, in a, in a more effective way, and you can provide feedback in a more effective way in the class. But when you transition to a virtual setting, it's, it's only what you see in that little camera. Uh, so <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the tricky part. Um, and I think uh, the culinary nutrition class itself, from my standpoint, the setup is a lot uh, more efficient because I'm in the comfort of my own home. I get to set up things in, in my own kitchen and I don't have to, you know, travel anywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was also a learning curve because it's setting up, you know, the camera, as you may know, in a specific angle and getting the lighting right and making sure everyone can hear me. So that was definitely a learning curve in the beginning is that media uh, setup. Uh, where as a student, they would be able to see everything that I'm doing and can hear everything I'm saying um, without the internet cutting out. So, so that was definitely a learning curve in the beginning. But once I, like that setup was done and, and I felt comfortable with that, then it, it could really go into, okay, teaching the class almost like I would in person, but then it's also 
checking in with everyone on camera. So if, if people are following along with the class, in let's say a Zoom setting, you could see the little squares of everyone cooking along. Mm -hmm. And it's also encouraging everyone that if they don't ask questions, I really don't can't really see what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Part of a virtual class as well is yes, you're cooking, you're talking, you're teaching, but also encouraging the students to ask questions and to be in charge again of their own uh, experience and their own education by by asking questions or showing you what they're making. Um, and then from a nutrition standpoint, it's always good because you can actually see into people's pantries and see what they have at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it, there's pros and cons, I guess, to in-person and virtual, but so far I'm really enjoying, um, the, the change to a, a virtual setting. Um, it was just a, a learning curve in the beginning. Sure. For all of us teaching this remotely and, and even doing this interview yeah. podcasting, you know, instead of being in person, sure. now we're doing it through Zoom. So, you know, technology has helped and it's also kind of a burden hinders. So yeah. thinking about those things, think about what you've experienced from the past to what you're doing now. Where do you think, what do you think is the future of culinary school, culinary classes, training going forward? You know, hopefully we'll be past this someday, this pandemic. What are the good parts that we may take with us? Is there going to be changes? Are we going to go back to the old way? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I do think that this virtual setting and moving things to a virtual platform has definitely helped. And I think it's going to stay there. I don't think things are going to go back exactly to what they were before. Um, I think this definitely opened a, a pathway that maybe a lot of us didn't know existed. You know, uh, we all saw culinary like shows on TV, but there wasn't a sense of, oh, you know, consistent culinary classes online or, you know, teaching online. Like uh, a lot of us maybe didn't think it was accessible as it is now. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe because we weren't forced to be in the setting. But I think uh, there's so many more resources now that being in the virtual world has allowed us to have that transitioning back to where we were before, uh, you know, we'd be missing out on a couple things, I think. So I think as we move past COVID, um, there's going to be still a lot of demand for virtual, um, whether that's services with nutrition or culinary services, I think that demand is still going to be there. Yeah. I think it's going to open up a whole new audience. You know, people can't travel. Yeah, they can't go to those sure. brick and mortar places as, as often. So, you know, you could do this and this virtual reality. I could see hopefully maybe like a hologram. We could like project us right into someone's kitchen. Oh, that would <laughs> be could cool. Watch us cooking with them. <laughs> so hopefully it keeps growing from there. Yeah, for sure. And I also think, you know, Let's say people that aren't necessary can't leave their house, but whether they have a, a illness or um, maybe they're an at-risk population that they can't leave their house. Uh, this virtual setup, once they they learn it, they they you know um, it, it has more of an advantage, I think, than it has um, you know negative effects. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the trends that you've seen maybe in the industry or now in your industry? You know, I know in, in, in the typical kitchen in the past, there's always been, you know, maybe substance abuse, mental health. Do you see that in your part of the industry where you're taking care of people or you is it more on the nutrition, their, their health, their body, what they're eating? Right. I mean, I think with the nutrition, um, world and, and in the nutrition industry, there's a trend more, at least in, in nutrition, uh, from a dietitian's perspective, uh, you know, we used to be a lot of like, okay, this has a certain amount of calories and you need to run three miles to burn these amount of calories. I think we're transitioning to, to calorie burning now towards intuitive eating and, um, more behavior based counseling. Um, and I really like that transition of, of just how we counsel individuals. It's not necessarily uh, either fearing foods or uh, teaching people how to or discouraging people about eating foods that they enjoy. I think we're moving towards more of like a, a intuitive eating, mindful eating, um, health at every body size. So I think that's the trend in, in, in the nutrition industry is, is understanding, you know, behavior with eating and, and food and cooking and actually enjoying food um, or enjoying cooking foods, whether I think it used to be, you know, very much, uh, I'm not sure how to say, but more of a restriction mindset and, and uh, portion sizes and, and uh, being a certain size. And I think now we're opening up to the idea of, you know, you can be healthy at every size, you can enjoy food. Um, so that's exciting. <laughs> 
And instead of restricting what they eat, you could eat anything. You just got to yeah. eat it in moderation and maybe make some uh, changes to it rather than saying, no, you cannot have ice cream or cake, right? For sure. And, and I think that opens up a great opportunity uh, for me in like culinary classes is that, you know, people used to think, oh, I have to eat this plain chicken and broccoli, like typical, you know, we see in the fitness industry. That's what you had to eat to lose weight. And I think now we're transitioning into a more, a more um, like flavor-based healthy eating where no, you can actually cook dishes that taste good and you could still lose weight or you can increase your performance. And, and it's good to see that transition of mindset from, you know, one place to a, to another. Awesome. Good advice. So where, where, where do you work now or how can someone get more info or if they wanted to contact you or do you have uh, a, a social media presence or do you have websites where your, your employer is something you want to speak to? Yes, for sure. So the best way to reach out to me is on Instagram at the culinary jalapeno. Um, that's where I post a lot of uh, cooking and nutrition tips. And through there, if someone's interested in culinary nutrition classes, that's where I host a free monthly class just for the community. Uh, so if that's something you're interested in joining or being a part of, that would be a way to register through my Instagram account. Um, if someone is local to the South Florida area, I do work at a wellness center called ADAPT, but that is a brick and mortar location that I work at. And I'd also provide, uh, like I mentioned, the virtual counseling uh, or the virtual cooking classes. So Instagram at the Culinary Jalapeno or if you're local to South Florida, my office is here at ADAPT, a wellness center. And that's A-D-A-P-T, ADAPT? Yes. And the culinary jalapeno, you're going to offer those monthly classes. Tell us about what one might be and how does someone participate? Do they buy the food and then cut and chop and cook along with you? Or do you just do a demo and they watch? Do you give them recipes? So the, the purpose of the class is to introduce healthy cooking to everyone's home. whether And also that could be with your significant other or with your family. Get everyone involved in the kitchen. So the idea is that it's a live interactive class. So everyone buys the ingredients on their own and they tune in. Uh, the next class is actually this Wednesday at 7 p.m. We're making a vegetable pad thai with a pineapple cocktail. Um, this is the adult version, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So everyone, once you register, uh, you get the ingredient list. Um, you buy the ingredients on your own and you tune in, in this case, at 7 p.m. And we cook together. Great. How many people usually tune in? Do you have a, a wide audience? Is it more intimate and more smaller? Um, so I would say it's typically eight to 10 people uh, for these free live classes. Uh, but then if someone is interested to having a class for their own uh, facility or um, business, then that's an option that I offer as well. Oh, good. So you could do like a team-based building or something along that for yeah. a company and you can do a private group through that. For sure. And then also what I do um, here at ADAPT, they have a youth athletic program. So a lot of the classes I teach are, are for kids as well. So introducing them to, to nutrition and, and cooking, uh, depending on their age group. So if that's something, yeah. I looked at the website. It looks like a fantastic facility inside there. So uh, where would someone go to that? Is that ADAPT.com? What was their website? Um, yes. Yeah, so that is, I'll tell you right now, I'm looking it up. Uh, trainadapt.com trainadapt.com mm -hmm. okay i can put that in the show notes if someone's local in the miami north miami area and wants to check that out or it comes down to south florida for a vacation maybe that's something that would be interesting to you for sure so you're obviously an influence to your clients and to your students and to your audience. I mean, in a positive way, trying to help them and, and be better in their, in their life and in their in nutrition and their eating. So let's look at you specifically. Who are three people who have been the most influential to you? You know, it could be for your personal, could be professional, could be, you know, someone that was one of your instructors, teachers, maybe three people that were most influential to you. Oh, this is a good question. Um, I need a minute. Sure. I will say definitely uh, my parents have been instrumental to uh, me pursuing the career that I have. They've been very supportive. I feel if I were to tell them, you know, I want to open up a business somewhere or move to, you know, Singapore and like start cooking, they'd be supportive of anything <laughs> I do. As crazy as the idea might be, they would be supportive. Um <laughs> So, so I think, you know, they've been a big influence um, because they chose an unconventional career as being missionaries and traveling. That kind of encouraged me to, to look outside the box and try to find an unconventional uh, career pathway. 
uh, I think they, they're definitely someone, uh, just their, their ideals and, and how they, they live their life is, is something that, that I look up to. Um, I think the second person, um, I will say, uh, Chef Brian, uh, again, he's a person that planted the seed for me for nutrition. And I think also his personality in class, it was very, very much a inquisitive, um, you know, food is fun. And like, this is an exciting uh, class to be like his just attitude in class and about life uh, was very encouraging as a student and also just a perspective on food. I think, um, you know, in culinary school, you try to not mess up and not to make any mistakes, but being in his class and, and learn and seeing his perspective on food definitely opened up, you know, a sense of, oh, food can be fun and you can be creative and, and, you know, uh, learning can be fun when, when it comes to nutrition and, and what's in food. So I would say in my culinary degree, he was definitely someone that was influential. Um, and then I have to think of my third person. <laughs> uh, I could jump in there on oh, Chef Brian, you know, having worked with him for years, he, I have to agree with all of that. He was so full of life. Yeah. He always had that smile and the humor in the classroom. Didn't take it too serious, but was so knowledgeable. And it was a big loss when he recently passed away and, and it was a loss to the, to the community and to the school and to academics and his past students. Yes, definitely. It was it was um, a great loss. And and I think even more, um, it shares the memories even more, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And your third one? Oh, gosh, this <laughs> third one is hard. Um, uh, looking, at, I don't want to say one chef, but like I mentioned, like in, in culinary school, and even in nutrition and FIU, I was, I was always lo would look up, you know, female chefs that are, are registered dietitian doing things out there. And I think, not one in particular, but I think just knowing that there's women out there doing what I want to do was definitely encouraging. It was almost like, well, they can do it. I could do it too. They have an unconventional pathway doing this. I can do it as well. So I, I think it was just, I can't pinpoint one, but I want to say. It doesn't have yeah. to be a specific individual. It could be a collaborative, a group of, of, of people yeah. that, you know, the registered, female registered dietitians that came through the yes, chef ranks. Definitely. So. Um, yeah, I can't pinpoint one, but I think it was just seeing, seeing another group of, of women out there doing what I wanted to do was definitely. Oh, well, I do have one person that I can think of that was, uh, <laughs> I want to say instrumental, but I, I did, uh, and you can cut out whatever you want for my future. Okay. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, so I did my internship at a uh, resort in Germany, um, and they had a Michelin starred restaurant in this resort. And there was one woman in that whole kitchen. And she was like the most like badass, like, sorry if I can't say that word here, but like a... the, the most amazing woman I've ever seen and just talking to her, it was almost just like, well, this is what I love to do. And I know I'm good at it and I'm going to do it regardless of what anyone in this kitchen says. So I think like that attitude and, and leaving there with kind of how she thought about things and her like meticulous, like process about food or thinking about flavors or uh just was very inspiring to me and and there was a huge language barrier she did barely spoke english i didn't speak german but just seeing how efficiently she worked regardless of what other what other people in the kitchen said to her or if she messed up um like it was just a sense of like i know what i'm doing and i know um it's good and i know my what my thought process is is going to work and, and that's almost what I've thought of, like, you know, um, going to nutrition school, like, okay, I know that I love this, and I'm going to be good at it, I just need to finish. Um, I know that I want to teach uh, cooking classes, I just need to start, and people will cut. So it's, I think her kind of mentality on being passionate about what you do has transcended into, okay, my career and, and being positive in, in the career choices that I've made. Great. Very good. Yeah. So culinary school is expensive, right? It's it's because yeah. it's, you know, you have to deal with a lot of food products. You can't put, you know, 100, 200 students in a lecture hall. It's, you know, it's 15 in a class. It's really small. So, you know, there's a lot of more expenses. So it is expensive tuition wise. It's also, you know, it can be hard. It's challenging. It takes time like anything. So was it worth it for you thinking back all the things and the, the challenges and pros and cons what comes down to it was the return on investment there was it worth it was it something you would change would you not do it again yes it was definitely worth it uh i think i got the most out of that experience like i said i was involved in so many things met so many people uh, learned basic skills it was definitely worth it 
Good, good. And I, yeah, and I also think, you know, uh, the financial burden, you brought it up, like, uh, there's ways around that, like, I got scholarships, um, I became a resident assistant, so I didn't have to pay uh, to live in the dorms, like, that's part of um, the package of being a resident assistant. So if, if this is, you know, as a prospective student, like, if this is something you're really passionate about, there are scholarships, you know, uh, I looked up into any, like, scholarship that was out there. So if, if you really want this, you can make it happen. Uh, that's a good point. Help them way to cut that financial burden a little bit, you know, take off some of that yeah. uh, off the plate. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So. So what's next for you? What's next for chef Rebecca Stevenson? What's, what's the future look like? Uh, yeah. So I'll still keep teaching uh, culinary nutrition classes in the virtual setting. Um, I ideally want to create a culinary nutrition course uh, virtually. So Anyone that wants to learn how to cook uh, in a healthy way at home, they can get access to this course. So that will be, be definitely something uh, if anyone out there is interested in this uh, to keep an eye out for that. Great. And what about uh, long term? Oh, long term. Ooh, like five, 10 years. Where we? <laughs> yeah, sure. You must have dreams. You must have goals. Oh, um, I played around with the idea of getting a doctorate in nutrition, but that's just, oh. You can t- you can speak more to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a long mountain to climb. Um, but you know, Doctor Stevenson sounds kind of cool. Another another letter is to add to the name. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that would be a fun next challenge um, because I do I do enjoy the education and um, uh, academic uh, side of of the career. So I don't know, and then maybe teach at. Uh, you know, Johnson Wales is hiring for a culinary nutrition professor. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? Um, and yes, definitely growing my my virtual coaching business. That's definitely something that's uh, one of my goals for the future as well. Well, I'm a big proponent of lifelong learning. So mm-hmm. and I always say go on and get degrees and, you know, go on and get schooling, go on and get training, take courses, take webinars, anything yeah. so you can keep growing as a human and, and uh, getting a, a PhD or any of those, you know, terminal degrees is yes it's challenging and it does take time but you know you look at it in small Mm -hmm. chunks and if it's something you're passionate about you enjoy it so it's like it's fun you know those six years to ten years to get that and write in the dissertation if it's a topic that you love you know i would encourage anybody to go and pursue that and even if you don't finish those classes that you take uh, courses as part of that degree program are still valuable on their own so start somewhere take a class take two classes and before you know it you may be at the the finish line and, and have that you know that degree for sure what was your what is um what was your phd dissertation in? i'm just curious you don't have to add this Uh, that's okay my phd was in uh higher education Mm -hmm. uh administration and um methodology so and uh i did my dissertation on exactly on canadian professional chefs perception of culinary degrees oh interesting so I had to use Canadian because uh, the American Culinary Federation, which I've been a member of for 20 years, would not give me access to the chefs to ask them to do the, my survey. So oh. I went to Canada. <laughs> That's a little sore spot. <laughs> but they, I guess, didn't see the value in it. But Canada was like, yeah, why are you coming to us as an American? I go, well, I can't get it from them. They gave me access to all of their chef's emails and I sent them the information and it's published. It's out there if anyone wants to read and I can give you the the short version of it or the bottom line. Uh, Chefs out there in the industry do value culinary education, Mm -hmm. culinary education degrees and the research shows that they actually pay more. You, You earn more money with a culinary degree than you do if you didn't have that degree. At least in with in Canada. Interesting, very interesting. So maybe someone would like to replicate that study here in this country, or in Germany, or Australia, or another place, and and see if it's true in their areas. And even today, because it's you know the data is old now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still valid, definitely. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to speak to that I may not have hit on here? Uh, I see. I'm reading your questionnaire here or maybe something that just came up in our conversations that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, I will say, like, I just want to encourage anyone out there, you know, uh, not to let, uh, like, if, if a culinary degree is something you really want to look for or registered dietitian title, um, you know, there's ways to, to get to that end goal. Um, I think 
for me, that was a major thing of, okay, I need to go to the US to culinary school. What are the steps that I need to do to get there? Um, I want to change my degree. Okay, what are the steps I need to do to get there? I, I, I don't think I ever had like doubts or a mentality of I can't do it. It was, I'm okay, well, one step at a time. What is this, the sequence of things that I need to do to get to this point where I want to be? Um, so I just want to encourage anyone, you know, don't be discouraged. Just think of the of the small steps that you need to take to get to wherever you want to be, whether that's, you know, be a head chef somewhere, you want to teach virtual classes, uh, just finish a degree. Uh, you know, it's very easy to become overwhelmed and discouraged. But I, I you know, I want to encourage everyone just take that first step to whatever your goal is. And it's going to happen. It just might take a little bit longer or, you know, you need to find resources to help you. But I, it just a message of encouragement to to anyone that has doubts um, to just take that first step and, and you'll get there. Yeah. And all the information you need and even the help is out there. You yeah. just have to go out and ask and seek and do the research on it and find out what that information is. And, you know, today more than ever. And I think with this pandemic and the COVID, this is a real entrepreneurial time. I think there's going to mm -hmm. be, you know, changes and shifts in the market now. And it's not the, the status quo, the way we used to always do stuff. And those that can, you know, pivot and make those changes, I think are going to be very successful. And so think outside the box. And yes. I think that could be very helpful. Yes, definitely. And I think no, like if you have an idea, like, you know, start that idea, like who knows, it might be successful, it might not, but you won't know until you try something. So I definitely agree. This is a time to, if you have an idea, if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, like this is a great time to start. And I, went, I read a book recently and the title was called Start Ugly. It <laughs> said, if you keep waiting for the perfect time, it's never going to happen. So just go out there and do it. And it's going to be ugly and you're going to make mistakes, but it's okay because you know, you're going to get better through time and a year, two years, whatever, looking back, you're at that point instead of still waiting to start. Yes, definitely. I agree. Um, and that's something for anyone, no matter what your age is, you know, where you're at in your career. Uh, that's definitely something that applies to everyone. Yeah. What's one common myth about the profession or culinary school or industry that you want to debunk? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I would say a myth is that um, I think you go to culinary school to uh, end up working at a restaurant. I think that's a big myth. Uh, you know, you could go to culinary school and end up, you know, in food service accounting. Like, I think uh, there's a streamlined idea that you have to go to culinary school to be a, a chef in a restaurant. And the truth is, is that you can go to culinary school to become whatever you want after in, in whatever industry you want after culinary school. Um, so one, one way or another, that culinary background is going to help you or give you an advantage in whatever career pathway you choose after. Um, you know, whether that's nutrition or accounting or food service, or working in a hospital, that background is always going to serve you wherever you go. Yeah, there's so many outlets that that career you can take in different areas. So you're not, you know, pigeonholed or stuck into one specific career path. Yes, definitely. What would you tell yourself before starting culinary school? Ooh, what would I tell myself before starting culinary school? I would definitely, um, and, and this is something I did, is, is to be more open-minded and, and more extroverted. I think when I first started culinary school, uh, I was very shy and maybe didn't want to talk to people. Uh, but as soon as maybe uh, I, I joined a, a club and, and I started interacting with more people, uh, I was open to a whole new set of experiences. So I wish I would have done that sooner. I wouldn't just like uh, shied away to my own like self and just go to classes and come back to my dorm, go to class, come back to my dorm. I wish I would have started to become more social and become involved in clubs a lot sooner because I think I would have gained even more experiences. Um, so I think that's something I would tell myself to not be so shy and meet people. <laughs> and that's so true. I hear that from a lot of students after when they reflect, and it's probably true with myself when I was in culinary school. And it's really, if anyone is out there listening, get out of the box, get out of your yeah. comfort zone. Yes, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but if you know, if you, if you're comfortable, you're not mm -hmm. learning. So it's good to be uncomfortable, put yourself in those positions and it's going to open up other doors for you. And, and later on, you'll look back and you'll be so glad that you did. Yes, definitely. So what do you think, what do you think people that are looking to apply to culinary school should know before they apply? You know, so someone that's getting into it, maybe from an international student's perspective, what should they know? Right. So I would definitely, as an international student, um, look at the requirements of the culinary school you want to attend. Uh, obviously, before going through the process, you know, a lot of universities require um, an English aptitude test or they require like an SAT version for international students. 
Um, so do all your research of what you need before you start applying. Um, that way you're prepared going into the application process, what that looks like. Um, not to discourage anyone, but it's just a longer process than if you were just, you know, directly applying. And also reach out to, you know, a lot of schools have an inter international admissions office. So talk to them directly on the phone. Really uh, try to get to know that office because they're the ones that are going to be processing all your documents. So really get to know that, that office as an international student. Um, and also it's important to know the area where the universities um, are. So I knew Johnson & Wales in North Miami. I knew there were, uh, it was internationally, there were a lot of international students there and there's, um, being Hispanic, I wanted to be surrounded with Spanish speaking, speaking people that were Hispanic. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend do your research of what's around that culinary school um, and if it's tailored towards international students. So if I would have moved, you know, to the middle of like Ohio, nothing against Ohio, but like right. maybe there weren't any international students or Hispanic students there that I could relate to. So if that's something you want out of a university, definitely do the research ahead of time. See if they have an international students club or um, activities for international students. And Johnson Wales even had an orientation specific for international students. Wow. So I think that's what really drew me to the university, knowing that I had a place and there were other students like me. So definitely do your research. And then if you're living on campus, um, I didn't really do my research of what that would look like just because that's not a thing in Mexico. Like people don't live on campuses in college. Um, that's something I saw in the movies and then <laughs> reality check when I got here. Uh, so definitely like, is it walkable? Like, is there a grocery store? Like, can you, you know, um, walk around campus? So I, I know different colleges and universities are more tailored towards, uh, like, uh, students living on campus. So definitely look into that before you decide to apply. Um, especially if you're going to be living in the dorm. Right. If it's a residential campus or is it a commuter yeah. campus, you know, you want to know those yes. things and, and it's really hard going to college by itself, you know, just that change and moving in and away from home, but to be an international student and do that, yeah. going to a new country on top of it, you know, is really going to be, you know, some, some major changes. So your advice is, is really on point that contact the people that are experts in that on that campus. Yes, for sure. And they might, you know, um, and, and even if they don't have resources, you just asking those questions forces them to think, oh, well, maybe we should open up more resources for these students. So, you know, it, it goes without saying that, you know, you, at students drive the college, I think. So if, if students need something or if there's an interest in something, the university will do its best to provide resources for that. Sure, because the community is yeah. the student and the student drives yeah. that, particularly in a public university. Yes. So what advice would you give to someone that wanted to go into culinary arts, wanted to go to culinary school, wanted to become a registered dietitian? What would you recommend to them? Um, I would definitely encourage them, but if someone wants to go into culinary arts in this, uh, degree or food service industry, I would definitely encourage them to work first. So whether that's as a dishwasher, uh, as a waiter, work in the food service industry, see if that's something that you like. Um, and if you do enjoy it, you like being in the kitchen or you like learning about food, definitely go into a culinary arts degree. Um, but definitely don't just go into it thinking that you're going to work at a five-star restaurant right away, <laughs> get some experience and then see if that's a, a avenue that you're really interested in. And definitely as a registered dietitian, I completely encourage anyone to go to culinary school. Um, that definitely is a good foundation as a dietitian. Um, and it gives you an advantage in the nutrition industry. Yeah. So it's really good. And I think the biggest thing I was going to say as advice too, is like, you get to plan out your career path. You know, you don't have to go where everyone's going. You can make your own career. You just have to, you know, be, have that entrepreneurial spirit and look into the resources of the career path you want. Yeah. Well, as we come to the end of our chat today, before we wrap up, is there any last minute advice, guidance, something you want to leave with the listeners, something you want to share? Right. So I think, again, I just want to encourage everyone to to pursue what you want to do, what you're passionate about. Um, it's very easy to have doubts and to to not know what that next step is, but uh, just take that first step, you know, and and yeah, I just wanna encourage everyone to, um, you know, pursue what they're passionate about. And, you know, there's resources, there's information out there to help you take that next step. Uh, so don't feel discouraged, definitely. Um, I, I just, yeah. Sure, life is short. You gotta, you know, you gotta get in the game. Yes. And then, um, and I think like you said, like if, if you, if you're not sure what to do, always look for, 
like mentors or people that could give you advice or always reach out to people when you have questions. I think that was a big thing for me is if I wanted to learn more about a topic, I would just Google, you know, okay, who's the expert at this topic? Can I send them an email? Will they reply to my email? Like, you know, you, it doesn't hurt to reach out to someone organization or an organization and show your interest that definitely can, you know, um, help you network or, or take you to that next step in, in your career. So don't be afraid to, to reach out and, and look for resources in a, in a career pathway that you're passionate about. Awesome. Very good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. And I want to first thank you, Rebecca, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. I really appreciate your time and your insight and your honesty and for, and for talking with us all today. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks again. I really enjoyed the chat and bye-bye. Bye. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you. And that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next Culinary School Story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.